Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Right, hello everyone. It's Red Men Radio, um, the podcast where we periodically talk a bit about Liverpool, but largely just chat a little bit. Um, and that's why I'm here. And that's why, that's why we're here. <laughs> that's why we're here. And hopefully that's why you're here as well. Um, as ever, if you do like what we do, if you like the tone, if you enjoy the podcast, then make sure you leave a review on iTunes, Acast, uh, Podbean, and what was the one we discussed? Castbox. Castbox. There you go. You apparently featured us the other week, and that was really good. So great. If you're on Castbox and you listen to us through there, let us know, leave reviews and, and all that kind of stuff. That would be grand. Um, and ever, and always, again, if you want to watch the video version of this, so if you do any visual gags that you, you, you feel like you're missing out on, go to the redmentv.com. Anyway. Um, so we've got basically we're just going to rattle through a load of questions this week because obviously we've got a match Tuesday night. We don't want to we don't want to think this we want to be a, a we want this podcast to live, Chris. We want it to live. So timeless question, the classic. It's one that everyone wants to know the answer to. Best Liverpool player ever, or more specifically, Christopher Malt, who wants to know what your favourite three hairstyles in LFC history are. That's the timeless. Okay, <laughs> okay, straight off the bat. Um, Robbie Fowler, blonde. Yes. That's the one you thought that was going to be. I thought that was going to be in yours as well, yeah. Um, Probably pick a player, but the 70s perm was an absolute (laughs) belter. Give everyone the Keegan. Yeah, Yeah. just class. Just absolutely class. And third, something that's probably a little bit out the box, but Martin Skirtle, when he came back with hair, just for shock factor more than anything else, Paul. (laughs) That's good. Who knew? Exactly. Everyone thought he was bald. Yeah. Everyone thought that's what he looks like. Who knew? And the exact opposite. He's basically the exact opposite of Raul Morales, who yes. had to. Who was badly, badly bald, and then one day clearly looked in the mirror and went, "Oh my god, I'm so bald." <laughs> right. Gone. Gone. Um, just on a side note, do you think David Silva was going bald to the side to just basically sort it out? Or he's basically going through some sort of emotional trauma. I've not really put much thought into this, but if I had to put a little bit of thought into it, I think Pep Guardiola thought that they were a little bit weak last season at Manchester City and they were a little bit of a walkover and he's told them all to toughen up. And David Silva's version of toughen up was just to take his hair off because he's not going to go and spend any time in the gym, basically. Yeah, yeah. And must have that was very much the Morales thing. Everyone looked at him and went, whoa, he looks like he's a bit of a hat. He's got tattoos and he's got a skinhead. Unfortunately, tattoos, skinhead and a beard is almost these days an absolute guarantee that you're a massive fanny, not dead hard. 
Okay. It's, it's the hipster's look of choice, isn't it, these days? Some nice thick rimmed glasses, maybe. Yeah, um, and that's fine. I, I don't mind that. You know, I, I, look, I, if, if that's I would, what you look I like, I'm not like saying to you have are gone fan. there, but I'd like to have the choice to go there. But the fact is, I look like a young boy and I can't grow a beard. Mm. It's going to be an interesting few years. It is, isn't it? I'm bald and I can't grow a beard, so I can't even even out the hair. Just, you just look, you just look like a newborn baby if you shaved your head. Maybe I'm. What's that <laughs> film where he where he gets younger? Benjamin Button. Maybe I'm him. <laughs> I think you've got a good few years in you, mate. I hope so. It's not going that quickly. It's it's pretty. It's going pretty quickly. It's going, but it's not going like. I mean, bear in mind you're well in your thirties now. Like that's that's a good innings that you've had so far. Yeah, I suppose so. Like, but look at me, dad. And here's the thing with me, dad. Right, he lied to me when I was a kid, uh-huh. and he told. Mr. Generation. No, 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 no. I I remember saying to him we were speaking when I was dead young, like a kid, probably. Eight, nine, ten, or something like that. And I remember saying to him, Why have you got no air, daddy? Um, and he basically lied to me and said, A car went past and blew it off. <laughs> and, it, and you know, you trust your dad, yeah. you trust him implicitly. He teaches you about footy and, and, and the right team to support. And you know, he's, he's one and two for that. But <laughs> it wasn't until I was like 17 and we were having a beer and we it just came up in conversation. And I was like, Dad, you liar. You, Car didn't blow your hair off, did it? And he was like, "No, son, <laughs> no, son, you're 17." <laughs> <laughs> also, if you if you if you swallow chewing gum, it doesn't wrap around your heart and you die. Um, I've I've not seen anyone, um, to prove that or disprove, or disprove it. it. So uh, I'm going to just continue to not swallow the chewing gum. gum. Thing, the new chewing gum thing is this Liverpool. There was no evidence that Liverpool weren't allowed to put a bid in for Van Dijk. That's what it is. There's no evidence, therefore I, I refuse Listen, the to amount believe of, the amount of chewy that you see stuck to the floor. There are a lot of people out there that believe it. Absolutely, hundred percent. In fact, I had it with me. Me, with my wife. We've been together a long time, but like at some point in that long time, I made mention of that, and it was like a. There's a number of those. In fact, anyone's listening. If you've missed out any of these, like these, the old wives tells about chewing gum. So the wrap around your heart. There's one thing. It's more like it might end up in your lung. There's ones. There's a f- there's a few, and they're all they're all complete. They're Do you know what it's polished. made of? Chewing gum. Now, is it wax? It's wax ball. Yeah, that's weird. Have yeah. I told you that before? I know it's just one of those. It's one of those things. I, maybe we just had this conversation. Yeah, before. I think we probably have. Here's one of the things that I still do or don't do that I was told when I was young. I remember walking up to the Chilwell Fiveways with my neighbour uh, Audrey. Uh, you won't be listening, so I'm not going to say hi to you, uh, except if you are listening. Hi, Audrey. Uh, I remember you fondly, uh, especially taking up me, uh, taking me up to Cutterbill to buy some sweets. Um, and then the video store. She told me that if you step on the cracks, you'll fall down into hell. And break your back. I'm 34. I've never stepped on a crack on a pavement in my life. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, my missus can't step on... It's, she calls it three drains, but it's effectively not. It's if you've got three panels of yeah. anything, and once you can't yeah, step, can't do that either. Up. Can't walk under those signs. You're, yeah, I'll, the signs because they'll chop you in half. Um, is is one move? It's just not worth taking the risk. No, uh, actually, out of interest, like, my favourite three Liverpool hairstyles: Fernando Torres original Torres when he was born. Alice Bond. Alice Band, when he had this power, like he was like Samson, wasn't he? You know, he lost yeah. his powers when he lost the blonde hair. I agree. The Robbie Farrell. That and he lost it when he lost his knee. Yeah. Also, all of, yeah, that, that, but it's easy to say here. Um, and I, you know, I go for the worst Liverpool hairstyles of all time as that well. Wasn't the question though, Paul? No, but I'm going. I'm do going do, for it. I do you three? It. Do you three favourites first? You know what? Steven Gerrard's non-changing hairstyle to the whole. That's that's a myth that did change. Yeah, I mean, he had a scared a crew cut, didn't he, when he was a kid? Like, but it is. It's it basically. It's like a number. It's probably like a number two and and and, and a number four on top. Or what is it? The Tom gets is it? 
who was it that got a number six? Was it Tom? Maybe. I didn't know. I didn't, they had the no, I, I no, thought it went up to four. No, we had this debate that he's gone a number six and the barber's gone and he's so yeah. bored of saying there's okay, no such thing as a number six, puts a number two on and shaves shave his head. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is Andre Voronin the worst hair, Liverpool haircut? The one that looks like Fernando Torres? No, yeah, no, the undercut, the blonde undercut. I, from a man who you will remember had a blonde <laughs> undercut, Paul, I am not going to say that Andre Voronin's <laughs> hair was the worst that Liverpool's ever seen. What I will say is one of the worst footballers that Liverpool have ever seen. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I can't corroborate. So if you've got, uh, you can interact with the show always in the comments underneath if you're on the website or, or as I say, leave a review if you want to comment as well. Um, but tweet us at the Redman TV. Well, we mates in school when in blue coat, I had I had long hair and I had an undercut and I got shouted at one end of the corridor for saying, for having my hair too long because I had it down. I literally put it up into a ponytail, walked down the corridor and then the, the deputy head shouted at me for having my hair too short. Yeah, Pick one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it was they were both they were both right and both wrong at the same time. Um, I had them. Off, so I just can't say why. I, I want to talk about something this and, and Joel Do Rosario on Facebook um, asks this, and it's something I've been thinking about th- this week in particular. And it's it's just why do we let Rafa go? Now, uh, uh, well, I'll put that in the past tense. I say why did we let Rafa go? And I don't want to necessarily get bogged down into the into the, <laughs> into the. The minutiae of the, the, what happened, the, the, all the Hicks and Gillette stuff and whatever. What I want to spin this on around is what were the things that people hated most about Rafa Benitez? Because I think there's a there's a lot of people. I've seen I've seen his name coming up a lot more, and people people now look back on 13, 14 as this spectacular failure, which it was, you know. And people look back on as like you say, and, and now lumping this hole in like we couldn't defend for our lives. We it was a f- uh, sorry. There's a couple of ways you can look at spectacular failure. As in, it was a failure of spectacular proportions, or yeah. it was a spectacle that was great to watch and yeah, it also that, failed. That's what I'm going for, okay. like in that. Um, but yeah, you know, because I think that the 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 now common thread is that Liverpool can't defend, and we just play. We're, we, we, why would we sort the defence? So blah blah blah. Whereas going back to the referee, that that's now starting to get a real golden glow around it. Yeah, man. Um, because people are look people a lot. There's a lot of comparisons being drawn, and people are talking about the spine of that team. And we had the best midfield in the world, and you know Torres, Hippie, Carragher, Alonso, Mascherano, Gerrard, you know, etc., etc. And people are like comparing the teams, the, the, the more recent Liverpool teams, and what have you. But what I'm interested to know if you what were the the week-in, week-out complaints or the, and the overriding complaints of the Raffinier. Why are you playing two defensive midfielders at home? <laughs> <laughs> was number one on the hit list. Yeah. Lucas was probably number two. Yeah, uh, Part of the same problem. Uh, two defensive was number three. And probably if you had to pick a fourth, maybe it would be something on the lines of rotates too much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the, the two defensive thing is the strand on this that I, I, that I, I really, I, I really think is relevant to a lot of the, the discussion that's going on at the moment. Because... Everyone keeps saying. I've seen a few people. I don't know if it's in fa- if it's in Facebook. I've got I've got loads and loads of comments. By the way, thanks very much on all this. But I think it's someone says along the lines of, um, "Why don't Liverpool get onto the fact that having a strong defence and a twenty plus a goal a season centre forward is the oh there you go." Uh, Peter Mullen says, "Why can't the powers that be at Liverpool see that the formula for winning a Premier League is built on a strong defence and a twenty plus goal a season striker? Premier Leagues are won a lot on one nil score lines." Um, and the, my point in this is that. The last time Liverpool had a manager who genuinely knew how to organise the defence and worked on solid defence first, our fan base's heads fell off over the course of the five years of Rafa's tenure. 
because we were too defensive, because we focused too much on defending first. And I think people remember 0809 as though it was how the it, the epitome of Rafa and we but we built to that, didn't we? You yeah, know, you're talking about that was what so that was like fourth the fourth season or whatever. Um that was what we used to get constantly. You say the two defensive midfielders at home. Why don't we go a bit more gung ho, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And if nothing else, again, uh, uh, similar to thirteen fourteen in this respect, most seasons you win the league with the points tally we got in 08-09. But it's another example again of prove it, it. It proves to me that there is no formula. No, uh, listen. Th- there is a formula to win in the Premier League. It's winning games of yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah. And however you go about it, Manchester City under Mancini had a better defence probably than they had now, but they still managed to score a lot of goals. Yeah. Um, Leicester City started the season, blew teams away. Yeah. Second half of the season, lots of one nils. Tottenham so, Hotspur conceded less goals and scored more goals than everyone last season and, and didn't finished, win the Premier League. Like so, you know... It, it, you need a perfect storm, I think. If you're not one of the, if you're not the team spending the most money on wages and the most money on transfers, you need a lot of things to go right for you. Yeah. Leicester facing no competition that year. Chelsea just completely dropped off, and they probably shouldn't have. Jose Mourinho's probably got the mo- the best blueprint for how to win the Premier League right now because he's the most experienced of all the top managers, yeah. um, apart from Arsene Wenger. Um, but you know, sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong, and I think Wenger's blueprint's all wrong, and he needs to start that again, and that's why Arsenal have been poor the last few years and, and not really challenging stuff. The difficulty we've had as Liverpool fans is we we've we've tried things, but for me the biggest failing on Rafa was the stuff going on around the club at the yeah, time, you know, yeah. the ownership of the club and stuff, and not being backed in the transfer market properly. Rafa had one of the best elevens in the Premier League but there was nothing there you know this yeah. um, and, and, and people who are maybe a little bit younger maybe don't don't remember this but he just his squad wasn't good enough and, and that's ultimately what earned him down and listen Rafa Benitez is a great manager and I think he'd still do really well at Liverpool if he was given the time that's the thing that probably Liverpool fans haven't got now because the further away we get yeah. from winning that Premier League the shorter our fuses and you know rightly or wrongly I'm not saying it's, it's right at all wrong but it's been a long time and yeah. it doesn't seem like we're willing to give the manager the time that he needs to build a side. Listen, this is Klopp's second full season in charge of Liverpool. Yeah. Um, we've not had the best start. We've not had the worst start either. Yeah. It's early on in the season and the, pro- the because of the way that Sky Sports has changed the Premier League and the Premier League's changed itself over the last few years and because of the, the boom in social media and this 24-hour news cycle, everyone's patience is just a little bit less you know you're yeah. talking about when, when we when we go down to like youtube and and, and they, t- they, they talk to you about how to make make people watch your videos or get them watching your videos the first six seconds is so important yeah six seconds yeah. like we're not willing to give any any time to anything anymore yeah. does anyone watch adverts anymore yeah, no exactly. it's two minutes do you know what i mean it's not even that much but two minutes can feel like the whale because you've got everything at your fingertips if you've ever had to, if you have to watch something live on the telly how frustrated you get not being able to skip past the adverts when oh my god that, the, we're not so far removed from that being the only choice you had in the matter unless you wanted to videotape it and come back to it no you, you're spot on and the, the thing about the the Rafa stuff again is that we had a we had, were very solid we were very compact uh we, we we were very well drilled very well disciplined very well organized we, you know, it was a smooth machine when we had the first choice team out there this is a team that drew with i 
think it was West Ham at Anfield. We drew one all Monday night, and we we got booed. People yeah. booed. I was there with my dad. Yeah, people people genuinely booed Liverpool off the pitch. We were, we you know that was that season as well. That was the season when we were as good as we were, we we ever were, and we probably arguably have ever been in the Premier League. And um and that was because that people we just got so bored and annoyed with. Liverpool not beating teams they was were supposed the, to did beat. Did we go a season where we won 15 and drew three or something like that or was it 13 and five or something unbeaten at Anfield? And, Probably. And I think that might have been the season. Yeah, because that, that was the season where the, the next season where we, we lost more games in the first five games of the season it was than done. we pretty much had done in the, the whole of the season before. Yeah, it was but three the, games we lost. But that was, the pro- that was the problem. That's the problem with this. And I think, again, it, it, this is why I, I, I get... People probably uh, might have sensed it, but I get. I'm just getting increasingly wound up with people's reactions around the football, and not because people are entitled to be emotional, because football's an emotive subject. Absolutely, it's more because, and it's just. I think it's just the benefit of seeing enough footy that I've seen. I've seen it from different angles, and unfortunately, I think that the strongest answer is you've just got to have all the money, and you just got to go. You've just got to be able to do what Man City and. Man United and Chelsea are able to do, and that's go out and buy um, loads and loads and loads of world class players. Maybe that's just simply the answer, and if that means that Liverpool need to go and get new ownership, maybe cetera, that's cetera, maybe but. that's maybe that's the answer for sus- sustained success. Mm. But it, you know, Leicester have proven that it's yeah. not it's not the only way that you can win a Premier yeah. League. But it, listen, you know, I want Liverpool to be as successful as anyone else, and I think sometimes it, we, because we're thirty four. We can say like we've seen a lot of football, but that's not to say that there's people out there that haven't seen more football than us that that lose their heads. But, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, you know, yeah, of course. Be, yeah. Because you know everyone comes at it from a different angle. It, it really ultimately depends on what type of a person you are and how you want football to play a part in your life and how you let it play a part in your life to how you view the footy and how you view the things on there. Like I have quite a long term view when it comes to watching a season progress. But some people are so entrenched, and I'm not saying this is good or bad. Some people are so entrenched that they can't separate the seasons, yeah. and that and that's fine as well. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it happens different ways, Paul. So I think sometimes we we do have to be maybe a little bit more accepting of other viewpoints. Yeah, no, true. I, I think that the the thing I, I, I get is that if Liverpool went all of a sudden, let's say Liverpool, let's say Liverpool got rid of Klopp and got a guy in who's First and foremost, priority is to get the defence absolutely rock solid and, and sort that out. I don't think, I think we would be, it would take even less time for our fans to all lose their heads again because I think we've been spoiled over the last few years for just the glorious attack and football that we've played. And I think it gets, inevitably, we all pine for the things we don't have in life because that's the way we are we've got to because that's the consumerist world that we live in you're supposed to look around and go I want that I need that you're supposed to get bored of the things you've got because that you, you, you're driven down that path and I think that we I don't think we I think we we could all even the people who, who are dead upbeat and you know relax on things it's worth us all stopping for a second and being appreciative of the stuff that we have got and the stuff that we do do well because you know, Liverpool in uh, in an attacking sense are the envy of most teams in Europe, and that's boss, <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that we. If you're not, it's great being sound defensively. It is, and it's you know winning 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 games and blah 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 is great. But from a pure entertainment value, given the football supposed to be escapism, it's supposed to be something that we're made, meant to be able to get sucked into and enjoy and blah blah blah. Seeing your team score loads of goals is ultimately a dead good thing um 
I mean, inevitably, with all these things, a, ba- a better balance needs to be struck, and we'll do a little bit about about the defence because it's the only thing worth talking about at the moment. But uh, it's worth noting, as I say, that the last time you can't. The grass is always greener, isn't it? Effectively, you know, if, when you've got a really attacking team, you want a team that's more solid at the back. When you're more solid at the back, you want a more attacking team. And inevitably, whenever you try to, whenever you try to tip that. That's when it goes. But there, there are there are simple. I agree with you, but there are simple things that this Liverpool side can do. You know, I'm not even going to say we can be more solid at the back, but we can drill a lot better on set pieces. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be a defensive side to be able to defend set pieces well. You might have to have the right type of player, or they might have to be switched on and stuff. But you look at uh, Ragnar Klavan uh, in the game at the weekend against Burnley, and he seems to pull out of going for a ball because it, I, I don't know whether this is the case but it, it wasn't his area is what I, I watched it and thought has he pulled out of that because it's not his area yeah. and you know you need you need leaders on the pitch and stuff like that as well so there are, of course there are things that we can do you know the, the difficulty is in, in year two for Jürgen Klopp or year two and a half whatever is that we are repeating the same mistakes yeah. and that's the infuriating thing for me I don't care if we are more solid at the back but stop making the same mistakes because it was even to be fair to Brendan Rodgers he didn't used to make the same mistakes over and over you know he'd try something and it might not work and then he'd change it and we can see the different type of fucking goal well no but that's the thing that, but no I, 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 not, I disagree because we're still conceding the same goals that we conceded under Brendan Rodgers so that's we're not still... Brendan Rodgers fault now well, no, 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 but I'm not. I'm not saying it's Brendan Rodgers' fault. What I'm saying is, and that's what I'm saying. I don't think Brendan Rodgers gets more credit for this than Klopp does, which is, I think, was what you you were saying. You're saying at least he changed it and we do things. No, no, I, what, no, no. I, I always felt that Brendan Rodgers was learning on the job, yeah, and that was fine. But he'd put things to bed, and the team would improve in certain areas. Yeah. Now, ultimately, the defense still conceded loads of goals, but I, I felt like we didn't concede the same goal. It was always a mistake, or this, or that. Whereas Jurgen Klopp's, quite honestly, a lot of them come from set pieces. Uh, and yeah. you know that that is an area that's needed to be improved on. We still make those same mistakes. Yeah. Players are still making mistakes. We're still conceding sloppy goals. But Jurgen Klopp isn't a manager learning on the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jurgen Klopp has been to the biggest games in world football. Has won league titles. I would have expected him to 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 already know how to deal with the basics of football, like yeah. defending set pieces. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't. Yeah. And like I said, I, I don't. I don't think we were. We were especially better at defending set pieces because I think the type of goal that Liverpool concede and have always conceded is that it's second balls, it's something drops, there's a scramble and someone sticks the ball in the back of the net in our box or someone goes in to try and win a ball rashly, gets themselves completely out of position, someone runs in behind and scores, someone plays a stupid pass, gives the ball away, we, we score, someone again switches off completely and because because all we've done for five years is to go, I don't know how what the the answer is to this because the, they're all mad individual errors that who, let us, who signed, let us down. Who signed Mignolet? Brendan. Who signed Moreno? Brendan. Who signed uh, Lovren? Brendan. Who signed Henderson? Kenny. Kenny. Uh, or, or was it Kenny? Yeah, it was Kenny. Yeah. Wasn't it? So. They, they, they might be your answer. You know, three of those players that I mentioned were all signed by that Brendan Rodgers side, and yeah. maybe it's you know, it's it's so easy for us to talk about signing the centre back, and and I realised that he signed Joel Matip and stuff, and he's a good defender, and I like Joel Matip and stuff. But when the 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 main pieces of of that side are still 
Brendan Rodgers players making the same mistakes. Whose fault is that now? Yeah. Is that Klopp's? It's interesting. We had a bit. Of, we did a bit on Liverpool's defence on Social Club on Ball Street this week, and it was quite interesting hearing. We had Ped from Toffee TV and Adam McCall from Full Time Devils, and hearing oh, them they'd buy a goal Everton, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> no. There's the envy but, you were talking about before. Yeah, hearing them, but hearing them talk about it, talk about it was interesting. The what I also read Paul Tompkins' latest piece. Read his free no, bit this week, and he he basically talks about the manager's decisions, and he basically alludes to the fact that on a good day, even for the best managers, you only have 60% of a manager's decisions are right. They, they get loads of things wrong all the time. And he talks about the defensive things. And he said, he actually used Michael Keane as an example of this. Michael Keane is the, was Liverpool's second choice centre-back, effectively. And he had an absolute stinker at Old Trafford at the weekend. I mean, did you see the game? No. So... He there's a he's playing right side of a back three, and he just turns it out and just passes it straight into the midfield to Juan Mata who plays Lukaku through and he, he spoons his chance in the end. But it that was the it was a, and there was a, he he picked another centre half as well. But he also brought we mentioned Man City's defenders a lot and he talks about them. But I thought the Michael Keane one was the most pertinent because you're talking a thirty five million pounds or thirty million pounds centre half that they've gone out and bought, which tells you which and I don't know. It doesn't answer because the the argument will forever remain. There must be someone out there that we could have gone for in the centre back positions. Absolutely, but for me, it, it it backs up the same argument that we've seen from Man City with uh, Alika Mangala and Nicholas Otamendi, and you say Michael Keane, and you say Dejan Lovren. These are all guys that were sp- a lot of, relatively speaking, a lot of dough was spent on. They're all okay, but they're all absolutely. Have the ability to listen. There's a massive the game of footy. You, you're right, and there's a massive gulf in class between the top centre backs in the world and everybody else. And yeah. that's the difficulty. Is you know we've we've mentioned so many times over the last few years of signing players from teams who don't play the same way as you. Well, we're an elite side, and we play like an elite side, whether we get the results of it or not. Yeah. Um, so there's not that many teams out there that can play like us and leave centre backs on their own like we do, and, and, and open into space and um, quite open to counter attacks and stuff. Like you look. At Juventus have got the best defenders in the world, right? And they have uh, maybe, maybe they've got the best defenders in the world. Uh, one of the moves to AC Milan this season, absolute steal. Do Juventus play like us, even? No, not really. Like they, they play an attacking brand of football, it's not the same as us for a start. It's three at the back, yeah. um, which would be a, a massive change for somebody. Everyone clamoured for him, and I was, I was, I include myself in that. I forget the guy's name now. Um, he moved for was it 20 or 30 million to AC Milan from Juve. Benucci. Benucci. Yeah, Leonardo Benucci. I clamoured for him. I was like, why couldn't we have signed him? But there's a guy who's played in Italy at the he top level. Fucking crucified 30, in the Premier yeah. League. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Is that it's so difficult. Who's Man City's best defender? Vincent Company. And they are still only a good defensive unit held together by Vincent Company with one knee. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's so difficult to buy top centre halves. Like you can do what Jose Mourinho's done and you can and you can drill a back four which is probably what Liverpool need to do in point of fact and I would include the goalkeeper they've got a world class goalkeeper there already that makes a massive massive difference to any back four and you've got a guy who's been there and done it in the Man United playing alongside the former most expensive player in the world Paul Pogba you're dead right in the let's use Man United because there's the thing for me and maybe it is just that Maybe we're just consistency and the and the focus is what's letting us letting us down. Is that 
I don't see. I look at the players who've played in the back four for Man United this season and last season, and I don't look at them and go. No. I don't see Antonio Valencia and think great, one of the best right backs in the world. Now he's been very, very good since he's been moved to that position. A surprise when you consider it. Um, you know, in that in the last couple of years they played like Ashley Young at fullback and all yeah. kinds. Like, but Phil Jones has he's made a solid career for himself. If he's still at Man United after all these years, he can't be as bad as people like to laugh. And I think he gets laughed at more because of the faces he pulls than his actual ability a lot of the time. Like but me. again, Chris Morland still still in, in and around that that the squad. They brought Bay, who's fine, but you know, Lindelof again, hasn't had a, has he had a game yet? Barely had a, barely had a look in, if if at all. And again, they've been playing. They play daily blinds at left back and at full back. Sometimes Rocco's had games at full back and at, cent- at centre back. He spent thirty million on Luke Shaw. Exactly, and and you know, and uh, so maybe it is that thing of d- defensively. I just wonder whether again, it's just something just to elaborate on something that Paul Tompkins says about this. He brings back the old short blankets thing, yeah. and that, it, and I just wonder. And I think I mentioned this on maybe it's the final way that said this is that maybe we've just made a call. And that call is the only way for us to bat, given the resources and we are ever to batter our way into the top four, is to put our eggs into the attacking basket and trust that we'll come good. Because inevitably, if we spend, there's only so much time on the training grounds you can dedicate to anything. And if we don't dedicate all our time to this, we're gonna, you know what I mean? It's not. This is not an exact thing because you can do, you're dealing percentages and these things, I guess. But in a, in a very rough sense, it look it does look like we've gone. Let's just let's just be as good as we can possibly be in midfield and attack, and trust that the defense will be okay. And I wonder whether Mourinho actually flips it the other way to some extent. And I think that maybe he puts all his eggs in, into focusing the the, the the defense and the mid and the defensive part of the midfield. And then he just buys boss players and just says, "Go and do what you, you know, go and do do the bit." And whether we're, you need maybe just need more money to do it that way. I don't know, but maybe that's what it boils down to. Is maybe we just need slightly better footballers to make this work for us. Or I don't. I, that's why I'm back. I, 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 guess. Think I just, I just I've don't. I've solved Liverpool's defensive issues. Right, they are a. A trodden on bunch of defenders and goalkeeper because they have to play against Sadio Mane, Firmino, <laughs> and Salah in training. Yeah. Their confidence must be fucking shot. Stop playing the big boys up front against our defence. Give them a little bit of confidence. <laughs> they need to be training with the under 18s, lads, that they can stop. Yeah. So that they go in there and perform better than in training. Yeah, That's it. Liverpool's defensive issues solved. Pajak style. Uh, absolutely, that'll do. I, uh, what I really like, I've seen uh, mention about Burnley and how, you know, I get underestimated how, how tough a team I think they are, and this sounds like it's weird that it should sound like we're, I'm, like, I'm making excuses for it, and yet they've performed so well against the top sides this season already, and they've and I, I I I do wonder about this, what you're telling your team to do sometimes, and maybe this is down to focus and game intelligence. When I think you're a team like Burnley, where you, your sole mission is, look, here's what they're likely to do to you. Defend for your lives, keep and your focus is just on kicking the ball, getting getting something on the ball and kicking the ball hard. That's a pretty simple focus. Whereas I do wonder sometimes with we ask we ask a lot of our we ask our players to all be two and three steps ahead of everything that's happening on the pitch because you have to be because in order for the team to work as a unit in attacking sense, everyone's got to know that. That ball's gonna go to him, and when that ball breaks, it's all pressing triggers, and it's all fucking all all this stuff that we've that our our basic message to our players is 
so complex at times that it is our, the, the the simple things do get lost in the you know what I mean. Maybe like the, listen, that's a good point. I've, ne- I've never really considered it like that, but you know, just thinking on it for a minute or so while you were talking, I think that's a really interesting point because you can say it like from Bernie and stuff like that. Now I, you know, if people people may not know, but I'm a massive NFL fan, uh, and you talk about offensive language and defensive language and stuff like that. I'm, I'm sat here in a Minnesota Vikings shirt, which is my team. Go Vikings! Um, and one of the things that they talk about is you know. T- moving from one type of offence to say a West Coast offence where the, the language is completely different and they use numbers as opposed to words and words as opposed to numbers in different types of offences and stuff and so you might know the play but you're learning a new language yeah. and that's almost sort of what you're talking about you could move from Southampton playing uh, and, De- and Dejan I'm looking at you with two defensive midfielders in front of you and two fullbacks tucked in to playing at Liverpool which is a completely different thing you're not thinking about who from the ball clear you're now thinking about I need to go past the man maybe and play a pass or I need to play a pass into a midfielder I can't just hoof the ball clear because that's not how Liverpool play so it's a, it's a really interesting point Paul yeah that's it and uh, maybe we just maybe we need to simplify the message a bit and I think you can see that with Dejan Lovren I've said this before that when he's told to just defend I think he's he's a perfectly adequate defender when he's when he's almost allowed too much space and time to, to think too much I think it, it clouds his brain he gets in a fog and he makes stupid stupid errors um, maybe we do need to be a bit more agricultural but the problem is of course everything is they're all bad you know, it all, it's all part and parcel of the same team we're asking our players to play out from the back um, we're not asking them to defend and although maybe there are just times in the game where it's like Klopp raises a flag and that flag is shut it down stop trying to play football for 15 minutes and just everyone just gets into the mindset of we're just kicking this into the corners as hard as we as hard as we possibly can maybe that's the way we do it the only other thing as we said is that consistency I think in just saying right here's our back four for better or for worse for better or for worse and we're just going to play this back four for as many games as we can the problem with this is we've already seen Lovren's missed two games through injury already this season that's, you can't win on that. You no, know, exactly. And then also you're then left with a situation where you're the manager and you're thinking, okay, well, I've got, I'm going to have to rotate because I'm going to get these injuries. So I'm not, imagine how bad it's going to be when I have to drop someone into this side completely cold. My only hope with this is what I'm kind of driving at is that, and it's, it is, it's nothing but hope, is maybe this is one of them seasons where we go back to the traditional Liverpool model where we're a bit better in the second half of the season mm-hmm. whereas I think on the clock we've started quite brightly in campaigns and we've and we've you know we, we've lost a little bit of pace and momentum particularly last season being a, I think we went a bit too hard too soon at the start of the last campaign um, and I just wonder whether because we are rotating and we've forgotten what that looks like what proper rotation looks like that we are spinning plates a little bit we are trying to keep a few things going at the same time we're trying to keep 15 16 players match fit and sharp as we haven't needed to do that do in you, a few uh, years i question you yeah, i'm not saying i'm coming down on either side of this but if we were really rotating do you think the front three would have rotated more um because I, I you know i'm just 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 a thought i don't think that's rotated as much as the defense it's not no it hasn't been has it um now they're the players you don't want to burn out aren't they it's true, but I think it boils down to. I think we've wrote, yeah, we've not rotated them in the traditional sense, have we? But I think we've seen. It would have been interesting if Mane was available, 
to what see we, what, what yeah, we would have seen happen. Because t- traditionally, I think your defenders can probably play more games. Yeah. Now, the issue is we're thinking traditionally, but our fullbacks aren't playing a traditional style of football anymore. Yeah. So maybe those two guys do need to rotate a little well, bit exactly. more. Yeah. But the centre backs thing, yeah, it's come down to Lovren's injury a couple of times. Maybe we would have seen a little bit more just play Matip and Lovren into some type of a form. See, I, I am wondering now whether we are rotating that side or whether it's in force. You know, maybe we're just rotating those full-back positions. Yeah, yeah. And that's no. what we're going to see. I think we are. I think we're seeing a, I think we're seeing limited rotation, aren't we? Because obviously, we're rotating the goalkeeper. Yeah. Fact. We are. And Robinson's I think we saw, had two games. Gomez has had a couple, maybe three games. We've seen... What we saw, which I thought was the pra- one of the the, the, the best examples of, the, of what, what what our rotation will look like, is what we did for the Crystal Palace game when we started Salah on the bench and brought him on with whatever it was, twenty whatever minutes left left to go. We'll rotate in that sense where we'll pull people out, but equally, we didn't have Lalana or Coutinho yeah. in them, and we did still rotate Milner and Chan in the midfield as well. And as you say, we've rotated the fullbacks to some extent, although it still looks like predominantly Moreno's the the fair choice. I, I think it's hard to tell. I think we, we, you're right. I think it's a combination of injuries, players who were injured pre-season. Maybe. Yeah, and it's yeah, and like like I say, Robertson came in late, so he didn't really have a pre-season for us. So we've kind of held him back. Maybe we'd see more of him. Maybe we've seen him used the way he's been used because he, he, that's what he wants to see. That's all he wants to see from him. But I suspect we might see more rotate. We will see more okay. rotation from him. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it will be fascinating to see what 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 happens with that. And I think again, as we saw at the weekend. Seeing Daniel Sturridge come in, seeing Solanke used off the bench—that's what we're kind of doing. But I think we we talked about this in the past. I think I think there is a core of that team that will play most games of football this season, and that's going to be Mignolet, Matip, Henderson, Wijnaldum, Firmino, Mane. I think will play the most games for us this season, and then it'll be. That will be skewed a little bit by the fact that Lana probably would have been one of them as well. And maybe Coutinho, but I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, they're the guys who've got the best engines. They're the guys who, who are the best, in inverted commas, in their, in their position. Um, but we'll see how, how, how it impacts. But yeah, the hardest thing, and we've said this, we've said this on the, the final word, is that it baffles me that are the, the goals we concede because I don't know what the clinical answer who it is it's just is it just that we have players with a lack of anticipation is it a lack of understanding I think there's some stuff that's definitely a lack of understanding you know with the players not playing together enough I think there's, you can see examples of that but I do think I think there's a lot that we're, I can understand that the, the idea that Van Dijk comes in and fixes a lot of it because he's just a better player than Clavan and Lovren and that's an obvious upgrade which yeah. would make us better yeah, exactly. There are loads of people out there talking, you know, Van Dijk doesn't fix this. And for the most part, I would agree with that. He doesn't fix it last week because I don't think he's match fit. He wouldn't be match fit no, no, necessarily no. unless we sign him early in the window. Listen, I'm talking about when he's fit anyway yeah. for a start. Um, so, and there, are, and there are loads of people saying he doesn't fix our defensive issues. But let me just counter that with this. Vincent Company always fixes Man City's defensive issues. Yeah. So one player can make a huge difference yeah. to a side. Like I'm not saying that he does and he will, but I have seen evidence that one player can do it. Like yeah. and all right, Vincent Company's been a top centre back for a long, long time now. But I do think Virgil Van Dijk's on his way there as well. Mm-hmm. So um 
listen, you know, a lot a lot of what I believe at Liverpool's mistakes are all the things that you mentioned before, anticipation and all that type of stuff, but nervousness as well. Yeah. Nervousness and a lack of trust in the players that you're playing with, I think also uh, amplify the problem. Uh, and I think when you put a solid centre-half in with Joel Matip, then I think a lot the ones that I'm talking about might disappear. Yeah, it's be interesting, isn't it? Again, I think... That I, I think and this is why I hope the goalkeeping situation will settle down come the back half of the season as well. You might see one of the three uh, totally emerge as the, the best goalkeeper at the club. Like it might just like Danny Ward might break out or Carrius might break out, and you're like, yes, that sort of solves a lot of the a lot of the problems we've got we've got there because I think that's part and parcel of the same thing. Oh, you can you saw in the game at the weekend, Clavin leaves a ball for um, Minulay to come and get like. I, I, in that instance, listen, I know that the goalkeeper probably should have come to get it, like, but we've seen defenders play with Mignolet for so long now. You should be, by na- by this point, anticipating Mignolet's, that he's not coming for the ball. Mignolet's actually, because one thing I noticed from the weekend is quite vocal, more so than I, I, I remember. I, I, there was one particular, I saw him, I heard him shout, and I think it was one of them, I don't even know where somebody even took it off him when he shouted. And it was one of them, is that in those situations... I, I, you know, I say this as well in games. Like, if you hear me shout, know that I'm there. If you don't hear the shout, I'm not there and deal and deal with it. Effectively. It's not hard, like, is it? Know, like? Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think it's weird. Like the Van, the Van Dijk stuff or whomever. That's why I think it, it's important for us to get the to absolutely get the right defender because. It's a w- it is a complete waste of time and effort. Otherwise, and as I say, that's not to say that guy wasn't out there and available this summer. There was there was, and maybe that's a failure of the scouting department. Maybe that's a failure of the of Edwards. Maybe it's a failure of Klopp and whatever. There's no the problem is there's no way of hundred percent knowing that. So I, I see no sense in in, in 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 beating them too heavily with it. Just, but it just, does look ju- a pro- it does just look on a, that then. a problem. Just on that from the games that we've seen so far this season. Would you think that buying a centre back, even just let's say until January, would have been a good idea? So what I'm, I'm asking you is, do you think Clavin and Lovren are good enough backups? I think they're. I think they're both fine. I think there's a. It, there's a very. It's very easy to 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 when there's a bit of bad form, with, and that's the big story, and that's the thing everyone's going on about to scapegoat players. And they listen. Neither of them have put enough performances in to to free them of being scapegoats. They're, they're rightfully being the guys who are being having the fingers pointed at at the moment. Um, although I think Matip's not completely free and clear of having fingers fingers pointed too. To be fair, um, I think I just think the, I think they're fine. I say I think they're adequate. I I saw someone tweeted me last night um, and said because I'd mentioned Lovren not being like just not I think kind of the expression I used but it was on the lines of he's not outstandingly terrible he's not so bad you know and it's really, he clearly is it's like look it's not because I've I've watched enough Liverpool football and it you know it's almost exclusively Liverpool football over the years to compare him to some of the terrible defenders we've had over the years and I still remember the the Bjorn Tukavamas the Rigobert songs the Sotirius Kiriakos's of this world that he's better than a lot of guys we've had in the team, so he's not categorically terrible. You know, not those those guys never had the the good games that he had. That he has had. I suppose where I'm where I'm coming at it now is before the season started, I would have thought he'd have been fine. But if they are gonna get games of football, and we are gonna continue con- continue to concede those same goals when they come into the side, 
and maybe they're not. Yeah, and they, I think that's it. I think there's probably a logic. The, I think the logic that this 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 team has been built on. Pulling aside, pulling out the fact that we clearly wanted to buy a couple of players, we did. We did try to buy a couple of players to, to, to solve these problems and decided that we, well, they couldn't get them across the line. Whatever, we've looked at it and gone, okay, last season, here's what worked: our attack and footy. Here's what we do. And I've said this again. We've, so we've bolstered the good stuff, and we've said, and then we've got okay. Well, let's compare our squad from this season to last season. Have we improved the defence? Well. The emergence of Trent has helped. Having Gomez back has helped, definitely. So, we, if nothing else, we've brought two players in with some more... And Robertson, so we've brought more natural-fitted-footed players. Have we improved our defence? I think I think man-for-man man we've improved our... The, 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 the stable of players we have to play in the defence, I not, think, is better. Not the, not the back four. But I think the problem we've got with this is that I don't think we've improved... In centre-back, we've not improved... The, the and at right back, have we improved quality. The, the the starting right back? We've improved. No. And at left back, but have we improved we the starting left back? Y- yes, I think we have. Okay. Um, in that Moreno's better than Milner. In that Moreno's better than Milner. Okay. And I think and a better fit for what we do mm-hmm. as well. Okay. And I think in Robertson as well. We've now got two good quality left-footed left backs. We've now got two or three good quality right-footed right-backs in the squad. So hampered by Klein's injury, obviously. Where have we improved then? You, you've said we've improved the depth. You mean just buying Robertson? Yeah, and improving Moreno and by the emergence of Trent and by the but pretend we didn't buy them in no 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 but what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about what I'm talking about is the, the, the Liverpool have looked at what we've got and looked at the squad let's he's say he's a better player this year than September last year. the 1st we've compared our two squads effectively and you go we've got a better we've got more and better players at the back we've got more and better players in the goalkeeping department We've probably just about got more, more. I think we're more and better in a general sense across the board. But by and large, I think they've looked at it and gone. The defense was had its issues, but it was it was okay last season. It got us what we needed to to get. The big fall down for us was not being able to handle the loss of Mane and the loss of Coutinho. Mm-hmm. So what they've effectively done is go right. We've bought backups for these players now. So. We are therefore the defense, and I think this is what the this is what the gamble has been for this for this season is they've gone in the centre backs that we already have at the club. They're no they're no better than they were last season, but they're no worse. They'll be fine, but we've improved what we do at the other end of the pitch. So that's that's effectively what the gamble is. And the problem, of course, is is that this is what happens in football sometimes. Players mysteriously just get fucking loads worse for whatever reason that may be or whatever. And I think that's where we've maybe fallen out. And also, again, we'll know it's five games into a fucking season, isn't it? You know what I mean? It might. Don't be shocked if Liverpool go three or four games with, a, with some clean sheets and yeah. then concede no, a few I, goals. No, I, I agree with you. I was, I was coming down a little bit harsh on you. Yeah, I do agree with you, Paul. I do think we are better. I, I question whether 
Um, after five games, we can categorically say we're better at left back than we were last season because I think Milner's performances at the start of last season were better than Moreno's this yeah. season so far. Uh, yeah. I think Nathaniel Klein's a better right back than Trent Alexander Arnold, but we've still got him in the squad. He just happens to be injury. Yeah. I do think we've got less depth at centre back because of Lucas going, and I never really rated Lucas as a centre back either. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that when we seem to have three centre backs at the moment at the club as opposed to four yeah. is definitely weakening the defence. Yeah, I think that's it. I think I, I mean. Klein's back in training now, isn't he? Which is oh, good. Fuck for that. But only better, like he's only back in light training, which is a obviously still yeah. got a ways well, to not go. Not in the Champions League squad, yeah, so he's still got he's still got a ways to go. But I think that's the thing. I, and this is the problem: is where we are. We can't afford to buy thirty million pound, forty million pound players that we don't need to sit on the bench, knowing that if Klein comes back two months early. He's on, you know what I mean? Mm. He's then fifth choice centre half, or you fucking Joe Gomez off for whatever. And it, people say might, might say that's a bit naive, or it's a bit would being too nice in that regard. But I think Joe Gomez has earned the right to be in the in the. Squad I do as well. My my issue is the left back situation. If I'm honest, like look, I know I'm not going to talk about centre backs because we've talked about centre backs all the time. But there are better players than Alberto Moreno around, and there were better players that moved this summer. Yeah. That's yeah. my thing. That's it. And, uh, and if you can't, if you can't spend seventy million on Van Dyke, and you do have that extra thirty million to spend, because that's what it comes down to, we're hopeful of probably getting Van Dyke in either the summer or January. So you'd need an added thirty million quid. I wonder whether having a really top draw left back would have been a better acquisition than Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. And I wonder whether maybe having. You know, no doubt on Phil Coutinho and Adam Milana fit from the start of the season would have changed us in one direction. Yeah. But there, it's a, you know I mentioned it before. There were so many things going on at the start of this year that I think it made our and I'm not making excuses for them. I think it made the manager and the transfer committee a little bit nervous about where to spend that money because you're not sure how long Adam Lallana is going to be. Yeah. You're not sure. Well, Lallana's Lallana a, a shock, isn't it? You know, I think I think this is the problem with Oxley Chamberlain. Someone asked us a question like, "Why did we buy him now when we could have gone for free in the summer?" And it's because I think I think we need him now, and I agree. And it's this feels like the Milner argument for me from last summer, where we were like, "What the? F- why the fuck have we not bought a, a left back? Why have we not changed Milner as the left back?" And then he was. Then he was dead good. People, there's still people saying, "Why have we bought Oxley Chamberlain?" Because for a start, there's too much banter flying around about Oxley Chamberlain. Because ignore that. Exactly, exactly. Swerve all that shit. <laughs> it's um, jealousy I comes think, from me. Yeah, and also just people just like to have a, like to have a bit of a laugh. And Arsenal fans love to wind up because they get wound up so often themselves. Because we've not really seen Chamberlain play yet, it's hard to make that. Man, he's, he's coming in some talk. tough situations. I mean, you're on a hiding to nothing exactly. coming on against Manchester and I, City. Like, and I think he looked really bright coming on at the weekend, and I, it gave me a load of encouragement about what he can what he can do for us. And I think we'll see. I, I just think, again, this is this is the management's cross to bear. If if we get Van Dijk in January, if and it's a big if, I don't know. I don't know one way or the other. Um, and provided we're not fucked completely we've not completely fucked it by that point then that will that's a calculated gamble because we've ended up getting rather than rather than spending 30 million pounds on a michael Keane who doesn't really improve what you've got it's just it's just more of the same you've gone out and you've not wasted your money you've not got a play you don't want on the books on draining your accounts or whatever fucking open for science is good paul well yeah i know i know i don't think any of us can but that's let's we could kill ourselves by thinking like that couldn't we but this is the thing is that if it all if it all works out and the, the oxley chamber thing for me is we've not he was gonna he was we'd have liked to get him in earlier 
he should have been up and running by the time Lallana got yeah. injured, effectively. And that's the thing now that I, I think he's been brought in as Lallana's understudy. Unfortunately, Lallana got injured before we even had him in and now we've had to get things up and running. We're having to get him up to speed with how we play football from Arsene Wenger's pass it to death to, no, fight, battle, win, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. Fortunately for us, I think that that's his natural yeah. game anyway. Yeah, so we're absolutely. quite lucky in that regard. And I think over the next couple of weeks, we'll really see the probably some of the better bits of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. As I said earlier, ignore the fucking stuff on social media. It's an absolute joke, uh, the amount of abuse that he's getting from Arsenal fans. And remember this, there are some fans giving him abuse. And if you look at the look at Chamberlain's performances for Liverpool so far, City, yeah, no one performed. And it's a tough game to come on into. But look at the little bright sparks from the weekend. And that's what Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's about mm. and he's not even started the game for us like you know what exactly. I mean let's have a look at him when he started the game and let's see what he can do I think you know, by the end of the season we'll all be looking at him the same way we looked at Wijnaldum at the end of last season yeah. um, and that's the thing for me is I like I say I, I yeah in, all, in, in hypothetics it's like we've said you've not got the 75 if you've got we keep saying 75 million for the sake of argument but whatever the, the Van Dyke money if it's not being spent then you made the suggestion, go out and buy a world-class goalkeeper, go out and buy an absolutely phenomenal left-back instead. But, you know, there's, a, there's clearly a plan, and the problem with football clubs is that we're not privy to the plan. Yeah, that's um, the problem with football clubs, you're right. Yeah. I want to be past the plan. Yeah. If I give them I give them four ninety nine a month for LFC TV Go, do you reckon... I always said that if I won a, like a mass of money, then I'd invest it in Liverpool and all I'd want back is obviously we retain our investment or whatever, but all I want is just being able to sit down with the manager for an hour at the start of every transfer window and just saying, tell me what your plans are. And I'll have it under non-disclosure agreement. I'll, I'll keep it to myself, but just so I can know and just relax about the whole thing. Um, but that's the problem, is it? We never know, and that's why uh, you know a lot of the criticisms around this. I understand the fear because I, you know, God, I have to go to games too. Now, to watch it, we spend a, 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 a disproportionate amount of our time watching Liverpool, talking about Liverpool, reacting to it, responding to the, the, the stuff that goes on around it. It fucking hurts me as much as, if not more than most, um, I have to deal with it. But I also, in the absence of facts, I'll never categorically write, well, write what someone off one way or the other on this too thing. many grey areas in football fandom yeah and, the, and that's what it is about, about it ultimately is I saw someone saying having a go about me talk about what, what I was saying last week about uh, on the comments below about supporting the players in the stadium it's been a big bugbear of ours for a couple of weeks on this and I saw someone saying oh um, a great sports science being noisy makes a, a thing and it's like the point of the matter is, if you don't, you know, which is where we, where we are right now. The only the only input input we can have on this football team is, unfortunately, and for the vast majority of Liverpool fans who will never be able to do this, is to just get in the ground and shout dead loud and shout nice things and, and encourage and, and and support because that's why it, it wouldn't be called you wouldn't be called supporters in the ground. You'd just be called noise, wouldn't you? If you didn't, you know, if you didn't make a positive impact on what on, on what we were doing, and that's the thing that's it's kind of been rattling around my head because I've had a bit of a tirade on all this stuff this last week, is I've, the bad news is that tweeting about stuff and kicking off about stuff online has precisely zero impact on what happens to the players on the, the football pitch. And, you know, you might as well just 
you know what I'd, I'd even in some cases say that I disagree with you on that because I think it can have a negative impact because players do see stuff yeah. and they're not seeing the nice stuff they're yeah. seeing the fucking horrible stuff that people t- tag them in and that it, that is a negative thing before go, before you go into a game they've got alright they earn tons of money I don't give a shit about it yeah. there is still a pressure that comes with playing with, for Liverpool Football okay. Club and you don't need the added yeah. fucking negativity and stuff yeah. and just to go back on something that I said last year it's that for me it's all about you know we want to be treated like supporters uh, and not customers and you know there's banners been at Liverpool for ages now customers not supporters but we act like a fucking customer when when we're in the stadium a lot of people and they moan about the quality of the product that's presented to them for their £50 and the amount of times it's not just Arsenal fans it's it's fans of loads of clubs mentioning the amount of money that you spend you spend that money for the ability to go and support your team and hope that they fucking win a game of football you don't pay for the win you don't pay for the quality of football that you receive it isn't a fucking customer transaction it is a supporter football team thing and if you're not willing to put that money in and receive what you get then you are not a supporter anymore and you should quite frankly forget about football because it's gone exactly it's a look football is a fucking is a is a lucky dip bag it is yeah you know it's you pay your quid or whatever and you fucking open you know it's putting your money into one of those fucking ball machines you're getting something so you're paying your money and you're getting something in return that is that's the transaction of it you're getting something in return for it but as you say you have relatively speaking zero control over the output of that and that is the gamble that you take if you choose to involve yourself with a football team now this is not to say the, the, the wider issues don't exist because you can't have an impact on the direction of your football club in a wider sense. If your club's going down the shitter, then you can step up and uh, and do something about it. But that's you know, I, I, like I said, I would contend. Here we are. The season's begun. We're not. Things aren't so bad. I don't think. I don't think that everything needs to be set on fire and and, uh, and thrown out the window. That's just my opinion on it. Um, but I, I, so I am very much of the opinion that the transfer window's shut now. The transfer window's shut till January. There'll Can be we forget a, about it for a bit exactly. like everyone was bored of it. Exactly. There will be a plan in place. There will be thoughts in place. There will be movements. There'll be things that are going to be happening. Oh, you know what? Maybe there won't, but that'll be part of the plan as well. It's a decision that's been taken by people who are far better than understanding all these things than we are. Or maybe not. Or maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. Um, but yeah, like I say, I am. I just, yeah, I just want us to get back to that, into the habit of just having a, as much, drawing as much fun from it as we possibly looking can. Looking forward to Leicester tonight? I am looking forward to Leicester tonight. I don't know why. I've lo- I know, I've lo- I, 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 and this is the problem. This is the problem with all this. We've stayed clear a lot of the, 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 the up-to-date match talk because obviously we're recording this Tuesday morning. The match is tonight. We're not, we're, people have asked us about the League Cup and have asked about the goalkeeper situation, blah, blah, blah. We'll know more. We'll know more about all this tomorrow. I remain upbeat. How I will feel in 24 hours' time might completely change at all this, but we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, brilliant. Listen, thanks everyone for, for sending in your, your thoughts, comments, and questions. How many questions yeah. were there? Two? There was two or three in there, yeah. I think. Um, but we went we went longer than I thought we were going to go on that, but that was really interesting. What were we talking about, Benitez? Probably. <laughs> I knew there was something in there. Um, but yeah, listen, again, to everyone who's listening, thank you very much. I always go and leave us five-star reviews if you can. If you don't, if you don't want to leave us a five-star review, don't leave us a review at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, time. yeah, you, you listening <laughs> with your proper reviews. Yeah, yeah. Sod off. This is for you. I've just licked inside your ear. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, yeah, there's, a, there's some some cool stuff happening on the RedmenTV.com. If you want exclusive podcasts, you want more of this stuff, we do more behind the, the paywall there. The paywall helps to make the free stuff possible. So if you want to be a Redmen TV supporter, go to RedmenTV.com, sign up, get a free month, and it's five pound a month for a shit ton of podcasts. And loads of podcasts, a loads of video content as well, uh, and some surprises along the way as well, like interviews with Stephen Gerrard, which is all really good stuff. Whoop, whoop. Indeed. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Walk on. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.